Uh, I'm going to turn over to Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians, the third chapter, if you just simply want to listen or uh, follow along, that's completely up to you. I want to thank God for our line, uh, online audience that are, that's watching us. And I just want to give you the simple title of this message. And it is this, don't press pause, press play. Don't press pause, press play. How many of you are old school and can remember what one of these are? Okay, so what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to press play. Watch what happens. Here we go, press play. Let's crank the volume up a little bit here. Okay. Isn't that good? That's play. Okay, watch this. I'm going to press pause now. Watch, pause. Then I'm going to press play again. Watch. Then I'm going to press pause. Now, how many of you recognize that during this season, thank you, during this season, too many of us have our finger on pause when it should be on play? Now, I'm not sure how we have gotten our life on pause. Maybe it's the last two and a half years of COVID. Maybe it's the people that we lost during the COVID. Maybe it's jobs that shut down during COVID. Maybe it's the political unrest that took place during COVID. Maybe it's the racial tension that took place, the economy, and the list can go on. And so it seems as though I wasn't aware of it, and I'm not sure when it happened, but it seems as though my life is on pause. And where I once dreamed and I laughed and I had jokes and I was happy-go-lucky and I smiled, it seems like I'm not myself anymore. I'm going to use a word that I hopefully you can understand. I just feel like I'm in a funk. Does anybody, you can't look it up in a dictionary, but how many of you know what I'm, I, I just feel like I'm in a funk. I'm, something's missing. I don't know what's wrong. Well, the Philippians says this. It says, I press to reach the end of the race. A resistance has got to take place to press towards something. There's an opposition. The enemy isn't uh, going to give in. And to receive the heavenly prize and the conference is about heaven. Pastor preached on Monday about heaven's will in your life, for which through Christ Jesus is calling us. But I love this little bottom phrase. If you allow me, it says this in the message. He says this, I am off running and I'm not turning back. I am off running and I'm not turning back. If I could describe to you for a moment what pause may look like, it may look like something like this. I'm waiting, but I'm not sure what I'm waiting for. Uh, I'm holding for something, but I'm not sure what I'm holding out for. And, and I'm hesitant, but I'm not sure what I'm hesitant about. I'm like a car that should be on drive, but I'm in the garage on park. I'm like a boat that should be sailing, but it seems as though I'm docked. I'm like a plane that's grounded right now when I should be soaring right now. That's the way many people sometimes feel in their lives, in their marriages, uh, in the ministry, or wherever they're at. They sometimes feel that their life is on pause rather than their life is being on play. How many of you remember the Beatles? The Beatles had this song. It goes like this. Get back, get back to where you once belong. Where does that once belong look like to you? And where do I have to get back to? that I am not there. How many of you have heard the term ready, aim? What's the next word? Pause. It's not pause. How many of you heard the term ready, set, 
it's not pause. But I'm going to give you a great quote, and I, I love this quote by Bernard Shaw. It, it goes like this. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Have I grown old and I don't even realize I'm grown old because I'm not playing like I used to? When you were a little boy, did you have a friend knock on the door and say, hey, can Diego come out and what? Play. When was the last time you felt play in your life? We'll describe more of that. But that's really what it's all about when I talk about this today. In George, uh, there's a heavyweight champion by the name of George Foreman. Boxing champion. In 1973, he won the heavyweight championship off a guy named Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. For the, ne for the next 27 years, he'd do military. Uh, he'd be involved in the military. He'd go to war. He retired. But, but some 20-something years later, he got back in the ring. He became the, whole, he the, the oldest heavyweight champion in the world at 47 years old, be beating Michael Moore. His life was on pause for a moment, but he decided to play again and get back in the ring and win another title. And there's a title that God wants you to win. There's a place and something that God wants you to do. But you're going to have to take your finger off a of pause and get back to playing whatever play looks like today. So let me describe to you in the few moments that I have six signs that your life is on pause. And we'll work through, work through some scriptures. But as I work th go there, I want to share with you one of my favorite scriptures. I don't have a tattoo. I'm not against tattoos. But if I was going to get a tattoo, here's the tattoo I put on my arm. It's found in Ecclesiastes 11.4 in the Living Bible. It says this, If you wait for perfect conditions, you will get nothing done. Well, when I get perfect money and I get a perfect wife and I get perfect children and when there's a perfect time in my life, that's when I'm going to give. That's when I'm going to serve. That's when I'm going to get involved in ministry. That's when I'm going to do this or that. And if you're waiting for perfect conditions, how many of you recognize it will never happen? It's never going to happen. You just have to step out in faith. You have to trust God. You know, this past year... I went through a, a, an emotional time in my life. And uh, you could call it um, a stress disorder. Old school would call it a mental breakdown. Um, and uh, I hope that you're not going to judge me for that. Uh, but here's the reality of what took place. I believe we all have an, an emotional pie, if I could say that. That's our lives. That's our emotional pie. And, and when we take hits and we take loss and there's stress in our lives and there's hurts and there's betrayals and there's a disappointment, a little piece of that pie comes out of you emotionally. Every one of us are different, so we don't know how much of that it affects us differently, right? We're all wired differently. So what affected me 10% may only affect you 1%. Vice versa, what affects you 10% may only affect me 1%. And so I recognized that my life was being depleted by the hits and the losses in my life. And so I got to this place where I went to see a doctor and he said, your serotoma, your dopamine is out of control. You've got uh, thyroid issues. Um, You've you, you got inflammation. Your hormone level is. Now, I eat pristine. I take very good care of my health. 
I exercise. Um, but still, there's another part of me that is our emotions. Our emotions. And during that period of time, my energy was at 40%. I wake up after sleeping 10 to 11 hours with 40% energy. And if I encountered anything, it would drop from there. I cried a lot. Now, if you ever were with me, you'd recognize I'm the, one of the most optimistic individuals. I'm 95% optimistic and 5% and, and realist. I have no pessimistic bone. I'll say, let's take that mountain. We can do it. Let's go for it. Take charge. Pull up your pants. You know, stick, get your tongue out of your mouth. Let's go. Let's go. We can do this. But I wouldn't like that. First time in my life, I was crying all the time. And you'd see me crying. You'd say, what, what are you crying about, Diego? I don't know. I can't stop crying. I just feel like I'm broken on the inside. And I don't know how to fix it. The, my board and my sons put me on a sabbatical and it took me four months to recover my emotions again until I saw a turnaround. Here's why I'm saying that. Because it's never over until God says it's over. And I don't know who is in here that is in a similar place in their life where they just say, I've taken too many shots. And yes, I'm going to put my game face on and I'm going to trust God and I'm going to believe God but I just feel like I don't have the energy anymore. One of the things that put me over the edge, just to bring some content text to what I'm saying is, I have a middle son that had a botched vasectomy six years ago, has had six procedures to fix it, and, and hasn't gotten any better. Now, how many of you recognize your children carry a heavy weight in your heart emotionally? And we're going to cast our care and we're going to trust God and we're going to believe God. But at the same time, you feel it. You feel it wherever you go. You're feeling it. You're part of it. Well, my son said this, Dad, I, I love you and thank you for being there for the last uh, five years of my life. And I'd pick him up just to drive him around and hear him scream in the car for an hour to an hour and a half just to calm him down and try to pray in the spirit, pray for him, give hope to him. And he finally tells me, Dad, I figured out how I'm going to end my life, so I want you to take care of my children. Well, how do you react to that as a parent? T tell, me, tell me how you pray. Tell, tell me, you know, what scripture you want to quote. Tell me what praise and worship music you're going to put at that time. And so I felt like something broke on the inside. I, I just got broke on the, that was the camel that broke the, 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 cam, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. I couldn't take anymore. I, I, I don't want to hear no more bad news. I, I, don't, I don't want no one else's care. I, 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 just for a moment, I, I don't, I, I'm not your pastor for a moment. I, can't, I don't even want to pray for you right now. I was hurting. But I'm so grateful that I found Psalms 23 and God led me through every word. And that's my encouragement to you. If you're going through any emotional stress in your life, then you may want to take the journey that I took, a, a scripture, a, a psalm that you know by heart, but you don't know it. Because it's a scripture that was written around in an emotional breakdown that was taking place in David's life. Does anybody know Psalms 23.1? Can anybody try to quote? I, I saw Bible school around here, so there's got to be some Bible school graduates here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's the next word? He leads me where? 
And then what's the next one? He makes me lie down. He makes you. He doesn't ask you. He makes you because he knows what's going on. Because we're busy. I got to go. He got to make you lie down in green. He got to bring you beside the still waters. He wants to restore your soul. I'm so grateful that God took me on that journey. And uh, I'm blessed now. My son uh, is in a better place than he's ever been before. He wants to live. He came back to work after six years of not working. He went back to work. And everything is so positive. Everything is so encouraging. What looked like devastation, hopelessness, and helplessness, that's the kind of God that you serve. He will turn it around. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But it's not over until God says it's over. Let's go to point number one in this. Uh, I want to turn over to Exodus. And here's the thought. When you are not moving forward, what, what is the signs that my life is on pause? When you are not moving forward with new activity, participation, involvement, engagement, interest, growing. I'm not learning. I'm not doing. I'm not participating and expecting anymore. It's a sign that your life is on pause. You are not moving forward. Then the Lord said to Moses in Exodus 14, Why are the people crying to me? Tell them to get moving. Yes, God knows there's a Red Sea of opposition or odds in front of you. God knows that Pharaoh and his mighty army are chasing you down. And we want to just cry out to God and cry out to God and cry out to God. And God says there's a time to cry and then there's a time to move forward. And now you're done crying and I need you to step out in faith and I need you to move forward. And as you move forward and not until you do that, will you see the Red Sea divide and you will see your enemy drowned and destroyed and you walk on dry ground. But you have to be an individual that puts your life off a of pause. And that fact is, is that you keep moving forward. Let me ask you a question. Why does a cement truck keep turning as it's driving down the street? So the cement doesn't set. And when you don't keep moving forward, you're set. You get settled. You get stuck. Any bakers in here, when you put some batter or you put some flour, you have to keep stirring it. And you have to keep stirring it. And you have to keep stirring it. Why? So it doesn't settle. So it doesn't get stuck. There might be places in our lives where we just kind of have gotten stuck because we're not, keeping it, we're not keeping it stirred at all. What happens when you stay in bed for a long period of time? You get lethargic, apathetic, or whatever. You have bed sores. You got you to you keep movement, movement in your life. Keep movement in your life. So, so here's point number two that I want to share with you about pause. Point number two about pause. First Kings 19 says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness... Speaking of Elisha, came and sat under a boom tree and he prayed that he might die. I, I love the transparency of scripture. That a good Christian who loves God can just get to the point where he feels that way. And it says, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, basically, it's enough. I've had enough. And I'm not moving forward. I'm not taking another step forward. I'm not going to do this again. And I'm not doing that again. And I'm not going to sign up for this anymore. And I'm not going to volunteer for it. Whatever you want to say. It's enough. 
Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then he slept, lay down, and sat under a broom tree, and suddenly the angel had a touch, came to him, and arise and eat. Two times as we move forward, if you were to look at this verse, he's asked him, God says to him through the angel, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And sometimes there's places in our lives that I should not be at. But what am I doing here? So a life on pause is when you're not rebounding. Elisha is not rebounding right now. Maybe before he could shrug it off. The criticism, the threats, the fears, the fatigues, the failures. But this time it's taking him down. And he doesn't want to move forward. And your life is on pause as a sign is when you are not able to rebound like you should. The interruptions in your life, the inconveniences of your life are just getting you down. What should be temporary in your life is now becoming permanent in your life. What should be a moment is now becoming a monument. What is a comma in your life has now become a period. And you're doing more accepting and you're doing more tolerating and you're doing more excusing than you should. You're not rebounding. Before it would be water off a duck's back. Before it'd just be one night and I'd sleep through and I'd get up and take charge again. But I'm just not rebounding from this criticism. I'm not rebounding from this betrayal. I'm not rebounding from this difficulty now. I'm not rebounding like I should. There's a race in uh, Queens, New York. It's called the South Transcendent Race. It's the longest race in the entire world. It's 3,100 mile race. It's super ultra marathon. The amazing thing is, is it goes around a one and a half mile block. It's going to take 5,649 times loops to do that. It's going to take you 52 days of running to cross the finish line. You burn approximately 10,000 calories a day. The success of the race, the long race that we're talking about, the long race in life, is just like this natural race. The only way you're going to finish that long race is that you have to maintain your calories. You cannot afford, as an endurance runner, not to maintain your calories. We are an endurance race called the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us to run our race in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. How are you going to maintain your calorie intake? Because it's the success of you running this race and being able to rebound from the opposition, the attacks. I've got to maintain the calories of the Word of God. I've got to maintain the calories of prayer. I've got to maintain the calories of worship. I've got to maintain my calories. If not, then I'm going to have cramps in my life and I'm not going to be able to finish the race. Where am I at today? Take an evaluation of that. Right now, uh, if you've heard about it, you've heard about California. California's in a drought. California's in the drought. We have 23 reservoirs that hold our water. Those 23 reservoirs right now are at 48% right now. See, the reality of this is, is that there are people who are paid to monitor the water level. Where in your life are you observing a drought in your life? I'm not operating at 
I'm operating at 48%. And if I don't watch this, I don't know where it's going to go. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. Are you able to rebound from life's difficulty or are you just simply, I can't get up anymore. I can't, I can't do it anymore. Elijah was at that place. A successful ministry, a successful man. But thank God he did rebound and he does go on to, to anoint a king and anoint the next prophet and do what God asked him to do. So at a place of emotional destruction like I was or where he was at, he did rebound. He absolutely rebounded. How many of you heard the story of the old mule? The old mule is of the farmer, and he's lived a long life. And uh, every day, uh, the farmer would let the mule out, and he'd wander the pasture. And at the night, he'd bring the old mule in. Well, when he went looking for him, he couldn't find him. And he, he called him, and he couldn't find him until he found him in that old abandoned well. He was stuck in that well. So the farmer tried to pull him out, but he couldn't pull him out because he was really stuck and too heavy. So he called his farmer friend and he came with a trailer and they tried to hitch him and, and pull him out, but they couldn't pull him out. So the farmer looked at him and said, oh, mule, you, you've lived a long life and I want to thank you for your service, but we're going to go ahead and bury you. So they both got shovels and they began to dig some dirt and throw it on the donkey's back. And when the donkey felt the dirt going on his back, he just shook it off and he stepped up and they throw more dirt on him and he just feel the dirt off his back. He'd shake it off and he just step off and they put more dirt and the more faster they did, he just shake it off and shake it and he stepped out of that well. I don't know who's trying to bury you today. I don't know what thoughts are trying to bury you today. I don't know what struggles you're going through today that's trying to put you down, tell you your life's over, tell you you can't make it. But you need to have enough sense as that old hee-haw donkey and just shake it off and step up and believe God that your life is not over and there's something better that's in your future. You have to be able to rebound. Here's the next one, very familiar. It's in Numbers 13. The ten spies that have a negative report, the two spies that have a positive report. But here's the thought I want you to recognize. But when the men who had gone with him said, they said, we can't attack those people. They're too strong for us. We just can't do it. It's just too much. So they began to spread all kinds of lies among the Israelites about the land that they had explored. Second time it says it. They said the land we explored is one that devours those who live there. And all the people we saw there are, are very tall. The third sign that your life is on pause is when you're not saying the right stuff out of your mouth. And you are, not, and you are thinking the wrong stuff in your mind. The Bible challenges us that you and I, very familiar scripture... The Bible tells us that we are to speak to our mountain of opposition, not speak about our, op our mountain of opposition. There's a vast difference about speaking to it and speaking about it. The Bible is clear to us that we are to hold fast to the confession of our faith, not the confession from our faith. So you and I in these seasons where our life are on pause, we can't be talking I can't when God says you can. You can't say I won't when God says you will. You can't say no when God says yes in your life. You can't be talking that's enough, no more, had enough, far enough, never again. I'm done. It's over. It will never happen. It will never happen again. 
You, you have to monitor those things that are coming out of your life. Mrs. Kim Williams, 62 years old, from Waterbird, Connecticut. She worked 25 years at the Hershey Chocolate Company. Uh, then uh, what happened was is she wanted to better herself, so she went and got a degree. She went into hotel management. But in 2020, obviously, the pandemic broke out, and she lost her job uh, at, in the hotel business. And so she went to work for AAA, an automotive company. But she said this, I'm too young to retire, so I just need to go back. And that's what happens sometimes when our life is on pause. Conversations, words, expressions, thoughts, meditations that I would normally not have during good times and happy times, all of a sudden I'm entertaining now and I'm speaking over my life. I... I Hesitant to tell you this because I'm going to walk out of here and you think, oh man, we're going to be praying for Diego. God, he's got a lot of issues. <laughs> in, in 2008, I was diagnosed with terminal cancer, stage four kidney cancer, and given a 50% chance to live one year. Don't get sad. It, it, what year is it today? 2022, okay? <laughs> so I've, I, I lived the diagnosis and I've outlived the prognosis. The longest living human being uh, with what I had is six years. I'm 14 years. And, and let me give you some perspective because I want to tell you the whole story. Sometimes we don't tell you the whole story. It's important for you to know the whole story. I've not seen a doctor had a CAT scan or had any medication in 12 years. So you don't need to come up to me. You can, but you don't need to come up to me and say, Pastor, how are you doing? I just told you, I've not seen a doctor had a CAT scan or had any medication in 12 years. But here's what I recognize. People would come to me and say, Diego, how are you feeling? They'd ask me how I'm feeling. Sincere people come to me and ask me how I'm feeling. And I, during that period of time, when you're going through a difficult time more than ever, you have to monitor the words that are coming out of your mouth and make sure that you are not, not speaking how you feel, but spiritually trying to monitor and speak what the promises of God say. And so I'm in my church just, just like this, and people are coming up to me all the time, and how are you feeling, how are you feeling, how are you feeling? And, and here's the common statement that I would make. It doesn't matter how I feel. By faith, I'm healed. That's what I would say a thousand times. doesn't matter how I feel. Because if you ask me how I feel, I feel like crap. I feel, I feel beat up. I'm on chemo, and, and I, I, can't, I, I can hardly walk. I can hardly have a ball movement. What do you mean how I feel? I feel terrible. But again, according to the word of God, I'm healed. And so I recognized how powerful monitoring my words were at that time. And I'm not, I, I'm not trying to be legalistic. You do whatever is in your conscience to do. People would say, uh, you know what, um, uh, I'm on my way to see my doctor. I would never say the word my doctor. I don't want him to be my doctor. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not trying to be legalistic. It was just my way of saying, I'm fighting and I'm not going to accept this and I'm going to believe God. And I had the mentality, if I die and pass away, I'm going to stand before God and I'm just simply going to ask him, why didn't you heal me? I could see that didn't go over too well. But see, when you get a very close relationship with God, God is not intimidated by your questions. God, rather you be honest. He already knows what you think. The Psalms are very clear about the complaints and the angers that they felt, like David felt. 
And, but again, if I went home to be with the Lord and I died, believe me, I'm not asking about my healing. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, I made it to heaven. What's next? But I'm trying to show you a mentality that you need to have when you're going through the most difficult time of your life because the devil will just chew you out and spit you out and kick you to the curb if you allow him to with the thoughts of defeat and failure and death. He would show me caskets. He would show me living in hospices. He would show me my family over me, grieving over it. And I said, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I've got to fight. And I've got to monitor that. Here's the third thing I want to share with you. So you watch that. Judges, I love this one in Judges. Just lost my place. Let me turn over to Judges. In Judges, it says, then she called, this is Delilah, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before. I'll shake myself free. But here's the highlighted part. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. When you know your life is on pause... It's because when there's some unconfessed sins in your life, maybe you haven't asked forgiveness when you shouldn't have asked for, where you should have asked forgiveness. Uh, maybe you didn't feel broken when you should have felt broken. Maybe you didn't feel repentive when you should have felt like repentive. Maybe you didn't feel like something was missing or the irk of God or the E of God or something that checked you, something that bothered you in your life. You, you just didn't feel it. And, and Samson is that, in that place where he's operating and he's living in sin and he does not even know how it's affecting his relationship with God. He still thinks he has the presence of God in his life. He still, still thinks he has the favor of God. My business is going to prosper. My marriage is great. My kids are great. And he's not even aware that he has a broken relationship with God and that the spirit of God is not with him. I don't know about you. You know what, I, I, I love toys, I love things, I love pleasure. I, I, I love those kinds of things. But the most valuable thing in our lives is the presence of God. It's the most valuable thing, uh, the presence of God. Being able to hear God, his leading, his guiding, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the ministering that takes place, the things the Holy Spirit does to make you look good. You know, that you have answers, you have solutions, you know, all those kinds of things. I don't know about you. I just don't want to take for granted. So uh, last year I was having some dental work done and I was having a, a cleaning and I sat down uh, on the uh, hygienist chair to do a cleaning. And she looked at my teeth and said, um, uh, Mr. Mesa, do you realize that you're missing a cap on your tooth? And I said, no, I don't no, want to miss a cap on my tooth. I said, she said, how long has it been gone? I said, I don't know how long it's been gone. I think I swallowed it sometime. And I don't even know, I don't even know what's missing. It didn't bother me. And, and that's the kind of picture that I'm giving, that there might be something in your life that's missing, and you're not even aware that it's missing in your life. Let it not be the presence of God that we say that about. And in this world that's full of temptations that come at us through music and, and movies and social media and, and billboards and the aggressiveness of, of temptation, you and I have to absolutely fight it. We have to be on guard 24-7 because we all have a flesh. And I don't care how many years you've been saved and I don't care how much you talk in the Holy Spirit and I don't care how much you read and pray. Those are good, but you still have a flesh. And you feed into him and he'll, he'll resurrect out of the dead in a second. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? 
And so you have to constantly keep him under subjection and, and, and make sure that you don't fall victim to that. Pause. Here's the next one. It's found in 1 Samuel 30. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his son and his daughter. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the troops? Shall I overtake them? And, 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 and he answered, Pursue, and you shall surely overtake them, and without fall, fall, fail, recover all. Number five is this. Your life is on pause, or a sign of your life is on pause, uh, when you've lost or broken the rhythms of your life, the patterns of your life, the habits of your life, and the norms of your life of what you used to do because of the opposition or because of the odds or the obstacles in your life. So, so, so David is a, you see it, he's a pursuer. He's a recoverer. He, that's his nature. But for a moment right now, the adversities are overwhelming him. He's lost his wife. He's lost his children. His men are turning on him. All his, that he knows, his city, his homes are being burned. He's knee deep in ashes. He cries till he could cry no more. But he says, can I pursue? Can I overtake? Can I... Can I recover all? So he's going to get back to the rhythms of his life. And, and I think people's lives are on pause because I've lost my rhythm. I've lost my, my routines. I've lost my habits. I used to go to church regularly. I used to give financially regularly. I used to serve regularly. I used to get up regularly and do this. I used to be with my children and my wife on date regularly here. But in this season, I, I've broken my habits and my routine. And maybe that's why my life feels on pause. I used to, I, I, I'm not talking about anyone here. It's amazing how many people gain weight during COVID. Don't look at person left, left of you or right of you, or they're going to think you're talking about it. <laughs> maybe someone did. And so, so we record, man, I got to go back to my old habits and, you know, and I, I, I've got to begin to do that. Maybe, you know, I, I started to spend money uh, like I shouldn't have. And, and so you got to go back to your habit. You know, I've, I'm, I have a bad attitude lately and, you know, and, and I got to return back to this isn't my personality, but my habits were broken. The habits that I have. And so I've got to return back to a, a lifestyle of good habits and, and good routines and good rhythms. Now, this, this is going to shock you, so don't, 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 get, don't laugh at me or I'm going to get very, very hurt if you laugh at me right now. But, you know, back in the day, I, I was a great dancer, somewhere between John Travolta and Michael Jackson. <laughs> Woo! Now, it may be hard for you to believe, but... 1974, St. Anthony's, eighth grade, I would tear up the house. And when Diego walked on the stance floor in disco fever years, the floor part. The kid took the stage. And I had my... And, and I, I had some moves that nobody else had. Now, 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 if you look at me now, it's, oh, Jesus, what happened to him? <laughs> You're right. I've lost my rhythm. What happened is I don't practice anymore. Back then, I practiced for hours. I'd watch all the dance shows. Uh, I, I'd look at myself in the mirror, and I'd go routine after routine after routine. 
Well, now it's not an interest of mine, and I, I don't do it anymore, but I'm trying to tell you, how did I get so far away from being that good dancer? Because I lost my rhythm. I lost my practice. I lost my habits. I lost my routines. So if Diego ever wants to make a comeback, I can do it. I'm asking you, what in your life during this season or this moment, you used to have an amazing habit, routine, and practice in your life, but, you, but you've lost it. Here's the final one I want to share with you, and it's probably one of my favorite, and I told you if I was to get a tattoo, I'd do the Ecclesiastes 4. On the other arm, I'd put this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures uh, because uh, God ministered to me this scripture during the time uh, that I was going through the cancer battle. Uh, it's found in Judges, the 8th chapter, in verse number 4. Gideon came to Jordan, and he and 300 men who were with him crossed over, and here's the phrase right here, exhausted but still in pursuit. That'll shout. That'll preach. That'll get somebody running around this church. That, how do you feel? I'm exhausted, but I'm still in pursuit. How's your marriage? I'm exhausted, but I'm still in pursuit. How's your health? I'm exhausted, but I'm still in pursuit. How's your money? I'm exhausted, but I'm still in pursuit. How's your business? I'm exhausted, but I'm still in pursuit. I mean, it's okay to be exhausted. Just continue to pursue what God has for you. And God will begin to replenish you. God will begin to revive you. God will begin to restore you. God will begin to give you back what you need. So here's the story. He, the enemies of Israel are the Midianites. Who is he pursuing? The four princes or the four kings of the Midianites. He's already killed two of them. Zeb and Orbe. They are now dead. Now he comes and says this statement. They crossed over, exhausted and still in pursuit. Because there's two other princes, Zeba and Zalmunda. And that's who he's going after. He's saying, I've gotten two victories, but there are two more victories waiting for me. And I'm going after them. God's not done using me. I may be exhausted, but there's still more tomorrow, next year, that God has for me in the future. And I'm going after it. I'm going after it. I'm going after it. And I'm not going to quit until I get it. He said, I'm exhausted, but I'm still in pursuit. I'm exhausted, but I'm still in pursuit. And the last point is this. When life is on pause, you will miss out on opportunities. You'll miss out on the more and the next and another and best. If you won't pursue what God has for you, you'll just stop. During this season, people have lost their priorities, their passions and purposes and persuasion. But you're going to put your finger off of the pause and you're going to press play again. I'm so grateful for every mother in here that when they were on the delivery table and they were pushing, they didn't pause, but they pushed again. One more push got you here. Some of you have a head, that, a shape that shows that. In the midst of her pain, and how many of you know sometimes mamas can say some of the most, on the delivery table, can say some of the most uh, unchristian words out of their mouth. 
especially directed toward the, the father. It's all your fault. You're never going I'm never going to let you touch me again. Never going to do this again. But she didn't pause. She pushed again. She pushed again. Let, let me share with you the oldest quarterback now in the NFL. I don't know how many football fans are here. Pastor took me to Boise Stadium and I saw this beautiful field. So I know there's some football fans in here. And there's, there's this guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a wannabe quarterback by the name of Tom Brady. How many of you know that the Patriots thought his life was over? Thought he, this old man will never play again. Trade him. What happened when they trade him? He went to the uh, Buccaneers, and what happened? They won a, the championship. And so he says, I'm going to retire, but he doesn't retire. So here's his latest tweet that we're going to put on the screen, and we're going to read it. He said, these past two months, I've been realizing my place is still on the field. Let this be your prophetic word, and not in the stands. You're not going in the stands. Your place is in the field. He says, that time will come. That's not now. I love my teammates. I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for a 23rd season in Tampa. I love this. Excuse that last little word, LFG. It says unfinished business. He's coming back because he feels like there's some unfinished business. Will you come back? Because you have some unfinished business business you have to do. Robert Flaherty uh, did a documentary. Uh, he did a documentary in 1922. It was called Nanook of the North. It's the top 25 films in the Library of Congress. That's how amazing this was. No documentary had ever been done. And the Alaskan Eskimo life was very foreign to the world at that particular time. So Robert raised money, and between 1914 and 15, he trailed the life of the Eskimo to bring to modern world to know what this would be like. So he had over 30,000 feet of footage, film. He went into the editing bay to begin to edit this film, but he was a cigarette smoker. And the ashes got on the film, and it burned 30,000 feet, all of it gone. He would spend the next two years raising money. He'd get $45,000, and he retraced all his steps over the next two years. And in 1922, the documentary finally came out. It's a great story that reminds us of perseverance. It reminds us that it's not over. It reminds us that not everything is easy. And it reminds us that some great things can come out of tragedies also. And I just want to challenge you today as I end this message now. There was a young pastor. His name is Timothy. And he had the hard responsibility of pastoring a church in Ephesus. And he was going through a tough time because everyone thought he was unqualified. He was too young. All he had was the endorsement of his spiritual father by the name of Paul. And you've read it so many times in 2 Timothy. It was a point of giving up. I'm not going back. And Paul had to remind him of the faith that was in his grandmother and the faith that was in his mother, Eunice and Lois, 
And I'm persuaded is within you. And I'm challenging you and I'm commanding you to stir up the gift of God that is within you. And I just want you to know there are gifts in you that you don't even know about. And I'm asking the Spirit of God to stir up those gifts in you again and dream again and hope again and laugh again and believe that God's best is still in front of you. And go from the the bleachers and the bench to getting back on the field again. Because here's what I know. Life is very short. And before you know it, we're going to all be in heaven, those of us that are saved in Christ followers. And so, so, so I want to make sure that I, I live the, every second that I can. Yes, to have fun is okay and pleasure. I'm, that's wonderful. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm building the kingdom of God. And that uh, how, how many of you are like me? And I'm ending now. How many of you were like me? You were, you were pretty good sinners. Any, any pretty good sinners in here? <laughs> Halfway? Would anybody raise their hand and say, man, I, I was a pretty good sinner. Raise your hand. The rest of you are liars. Look at all those liars. In here. Now, we ain't here to glorify sin and talk about that, but I, I'm sure that if I asked you, talk to me about how you were a great sinner. You, you'd come and say, oh, man, I, you know what? I sometimes didn't sleep for 48 hours. I go from nightclub to nightclub, go to work, go back to the nightclub, blah, 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 blah. You know what? I buy everybody in the bar drinks. You know, I cuss anybody out. I was a non-respecter person, black, white, yellow, red. I cuss you all out. Why is it that we made such good sinners and are not that good of a saint? I'm not under that condemnation, but it drives me. I think it's somewhere what David meant when he said, my sin is ever before me. He never wants to, he's not living under the guilt and condemnation of it, but he never wants to forget how he served the enemy and it's going to motivate him to serve God. You you be the best Christian that you possibly can be. You go for the gold and you give God all your talent, all your gifts, all your testimonies, all your faith and all your strength. And I'm here to tell you, I'm an ex-marathoner like Joe, and it's, I'm here to tell you, it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish the race. Everybody on the starting line is going like this. With their tube socks, their little shorties. miles later, what do they look like? (laughs) Sweat, uh, you know, the shorts are falling, tube socks are off, they're bleeding, they're... (laughs) So I'm here to tell you, it's not how you start the race. Just finish strong. That's all we want to do is finish strong. Can you lift your hands toward heaven right now? Father, we look to you now.